from the creator economy to the end of Bretton Woods and the origins of the metaverse. This is the UAE Tech Podcast Web3 edition. Tune in for cutting edge interviews on how blockchain is reshaping cyberspace, finance and culture from here in Dubai and cities around the world. I was a kid from Toledo, Ohio, who loved science fiction and loved movies, and my sights were set on directing feature films. And so when I moved to California, I didn't move to Los Angeles. I moved to Northern California first uh, through serendipity. And I ended up in a place called Santa Cruz, California, which was kind of a, a college town bedroom community for the burgeoning new Silicon Valley that was, uh, you know, based in San Jose area. And, uh, and so I, I got to meet some just amazing people, uh, just having landed at, you know, 20 years old, uh, in, in Santa Cruz. Uh, and during that first decade there, I, uh, I met, you know, jobs and Wozniak and I was hanging out with the people that were creating creating the computer revolution. And I also met a man named Jaron Lanier, who had coined the term virtual reality and had the first consumer virtual reality company. And uh, we we uh, actually met at this thing called the Cyberthon, which was given up in San Francisco. It was a warehouse where you go in for 24 hours to experience all this new technology that was burgeoning that no one knew about. And one of them was virtual reality. Jaron Lanier was there and he put me in the headset and I instantly saw this as something I wanted to make a movie about. I wanted to start to create uh, a kind of mythology around the idea of virtual reality because I saw so many unique human questions that came out of that technology and, you know, came out of what we now are calling the metaverse. Cyberspace, a consensual hallucination experienced daily by billions of legitimate operators. This was William Gibson writing in the sci-fi novel Neuromancer and coining the first use of the term cyberspace in 1984. Snow Crash was released in 92. That same year, a movie came out that anyone in the 1990s will remember, Lawnmower Man. The movie explored a technology that at that time seemed just on the horizon, virtual reality. Today we're delighted to be talking with Brett Leonard, director of Lawnmower Man, and movies such as Virtuosity, and what in hindsight was a historic time in Hollywood, as well as Silicon Valley. Leonard describes arriving in Santa Cruz rather than central LA, and eventually finding himself in a scene that included the likes of Jobs, Wozniak, and perhaps most compellingly for our purposes today, Jaron Lanier, a founding individual in the field of virtual reality. 30 years since Lawnmower Man first aired, I asked Brett how the metaverse of our time mirrors the sci-fi stories I grew up with as a kid. Will AI creator tools allow billions to summon their own simulated realities? How will artists imagine and construct what Brett calls story worlds, using technologies that are incredibly advanced, but also really human and fallible? Today, we're super excited to have Brett Leonard on the podcast. Brett, thanks so much for joining us. Um, 
So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and in particular, um, the beginnings of the cult classic Lawnmower Man in <laughs> sure. 1992 and why that is a movie that, um, you know, is probably going to come back into the Vogue at some point, but basically spoke about virtual reality early on, you know, in the early 1990s when this was a very underground thing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Thanks, John. Um, well, look, I was a kid from Toledo, Ohio, who loved science fiction and loved movies, and my sights were set on directing feature films. And so when I moved to California, I didn't move to Los Angeles. I moved to Northern California first uh, through serendipity. And I ended up in a place called Santa Cruz, California, which was kind of a, a college town bedroom community for the burgeoning new Silicon Valley that was, uh, you know, based in San Jose area. And uh, and so I I got to meet some just amazing people uh, just having landed at, you know, 20 years old uh, in, in Santa Cruz. Uh, and during that first decade there, I, uh, I met, you know, Jobs and Wozniak, and I was hanging out with the people that were creating the computer revolution. And I also met a man named Jaron Lanier, who had coined the term virtual reality and had the first consumer virtual reality company. And uh, we, we uh, actually met at this thing called the Cyberthon, which was given up in San Francisco. It was a warehouse where you go in for 24 hours to experience all this new technology that was burgeoning that no one knew about. And one of them was virtual reality. Jaron Lanier was there and he put me in the headset. And I instantly saw this as something I wanted to make a movie about. I wanted to start to create uh, a kind of mythology around the idea of virtual reality because I saw so many unique human questions that came out of that technology and you know came out of what we now are calling the metaverse. Now, interestingly enough, by the time I made the film in uh, 1991, we were in production. Uh, in 92, when the film came out, Neil Stevenson's book, uh, Snow Crash, came out as well. Um, and uh, that book, uh, you know, coined the term the metaverse. And so for me, this idea of the metaverse has been sort of organic to this idea of virtual, what I call virtual experience from the, the inception of us creating the Lawnmower Man. My partner, Jamil Everett and I, uh, brought together a, a large number of people, including, you know, our mutual friend, David Traub, who was one of the uh, supervising people on that. Uh, and, you know, we, uh, we were mining these ideas that we saw coming at us very quickly. Now, we thought it was going to come faster than it did. I mean, in the, in the very beginning of The Lawnmower Man, it says, by the turn of the millennium, uh, technology named virtual reality will be ubiquitous. Of course, it took a little longer than that. Um, but now we are literally you know, for me in the moment where I'm entering the film I made 30 years ago. This year is the 30th anniversary of The Lawnmower Man. And I went on to make other films like Virtuosity, which, which mined the idea of AI characters uh, coming out of uh, the metaverse and into real life. Uh, that's what the, the, the character played by uh, Russell Crowe was in that film. And so, you know, these ideas and these themes and these mythologies around around what these technologies will do to us as human beings and also how we can help shape them in a positive potential direction. Uh, this is what 
was the genesis of the Lawnmower Man and films like Virtuosity. And uh, you know, now we're actually seeing the world, the digital twin of the world, the metaverse burgeoning and, and emerging. And these mythological questions, I think, are more important than ever. Yeah, and I think you know we can get to contemporary times, we can get to the metaverse a little bit later in the conversation. Yeah, sure. um, and quick shout out to David for connecting us uh, on this discussion. Yes. Thanks a lot for that, David. But um, going back to Santa Cruz and to Hollywood, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, I mean, a, a lot of our listeners will recognize, you know, you mentioned Jobs, you mentioned Wozniak, but the people who've researched yes. VR and are really interested in this space, they've done the deep research, will also know that Jaron Lanier is a massively influential name in the history of, yes. you know, simulated discussions and virtual reality. And there's some amazing articles written of that kind of time and the kind of individuals you were talking about in America, um, particularly that intersection, which you're talking about between the yes. kind of early days of the technology industry and Silicon Valley and the entertainment industry. And it's such a fascinating space. And of course, it's such a, a space that's so relevant to some of what's happening today. But I kind of want to, want to focus on that and just ask you personal, you know, personal sure. question. What was it like back then in the 90s? You know, you were filming a film with Pierce Brosnan, who I'm guessing back then wasn't that well known. The movie was filmed for, I think, five or six million and made at least 150 to 200 million worldwide. So even the business yes. in Hollywood, you know, the economics were different back then. Can you take us back? To the 90s and just let some of sure. you know younger younger listeners know like understand what it was like yeah the 90s was a real crucible of these like you're talking about these collisions these things coming together uh technology was you know and and the burgeoning silicon valley was becoming such a uh, you know such a force in culture uh we didn't realize that apple would become like one of the biggest companies on the planet at that time there was there was just this feeling of experimentation of people uh you know pushing the bounds of the traditional and trying to bring together uh different alliances that would create something truly new i mean i remember back in the early 90s having conversations about cryptocurrency, uh, which was really a far-flung idea at that point, this idea of the blockchain and all these things. The, the, the Bay Area uh, in Northern California was very, very focused in these kinds of conversations, these kinds of collisions of people. And then I was you know, trying to make it in Hollywood, but I, 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 I always felt I was going to get more interesting material in the Bay Area to, to deal with that. And, so I actually made The Lawnmower Man from living in the Bay Area. And that's where I met people like David Traub and Jobs and Wozniak and all of the you know unique people that were working in that area and trying to fit what they were creating into the idea of storytelling. I now call it story worlding, by the way, because we're actually creating story worlds around IP as, as opposed to just one linear version of a story and so the the 90s was just an amazing time that you think you know when you're in it you think it's going to last forever you think it's going to be this you know sort of amazing cultural society that that uh will continue to grow and change but you know it it really was a unique time that were all these things this convergence a confluence of events a confluence of people and ideas 
came together in a way that was very unique to that time, just like the 60s was a unique time culturally. The 90s had that unique time, and it was very focused on how technology would be impacting our entertainment, would be impacting our daily lives, and, and impacting the ideas of things like what is human intimacy? What is human interaction? And of course, on the far horizon then was always talk about AI, uh, this idea of artificial intelligence, but was in very early days. And now, you know, that's accelerating so rapidly. Um, so it's, it really was a crucible time. And I think that that's the thing I'd love people that didn't, you know, have the experience of being in the 90s. It was a crucible time where we allowed unique collisions to happen between ideas and people. And I think we need that again today. Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember the 90s. I'm, I'm biased, obviously, but I think it was a more optimistic time. And it, was. it felt like a time where things, you know, more things were possible. Um, I agree. And, you know, one of the in, in, one of the interesting things about, you know, Lawnerman was the and, and virtuosity and the things I made in the 90s where they were actually cautionary tales. They actually were cautioning about this technology and, you know, bringing up a lot of uh, of those those human issues around what this technology would rot in in humankind. And yet it helped popularize the very things that it was cautioning against. So there, there's a unique, there's a kind of ironic uh, lesson in that. <laughs> Beware yeah. of telling cautionary tales. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always love cautionary tales and I always think the best, you know, I love sci-fi. I always think the best stories kind of have a really deep seated human element that everyone can relate to. And then yes. they kind of merge it with the technology, but the kind of human storytelling uh, always kind of comes first. Um, and that, that absolutely, absolutely. Of, you know, might be one of the reasons Lomo Man um, was so possible, uh, was so mm. popular. Um, but, you know, again, going back to the 90s, uh, you kind of alluded to it um, because VR was kind of a thing. Uh, perhaps it was in gaming communities or perhaps it was, it was just in kids my age at that time. But I think Lawnmower Man... Um, you know, Johnny Mnemonic, which I think, I'm not sure when that came out, a couple of other it happened movies. after. Yeah, that was after. after. Yeah. So, so you know, Lawnmower Man was really, was really early on this stuff. But as you yeah. said, we, we kind of were talking about VR in the 90s. A lot of people have forgotten this. There was kind of a dream about it. And, you know, there was this idea that it would, it would be working or, or kind of slightly mainstream by the 2000s i agree yeah I, it was we again I, I i thought you know by the turn of the millennium we would have uh more ubiquitous vr but of course the smartphone hadn't even happened yet and we didn't even have broadband in a lot of places i mean it was uh we were we were playing with uh you know as spock says in one of the star trek episodes stone knives and bearskins um you know in the context of that technology at that time but we we had we had the lights in our eyes uh, about it you know we we we, we felt the, the deep power that was possible with creating a virtual world and also some of the cautionary elements of what creating a virtual world would be about. Now we are at the point where the technology is merging with those visions. And so the 90s was, again, as you said, much more innocent time, a time where we couldn't fully see the full execution of how this would happen, how it would become ubiquitous. Uh, we couldn't, you know, see the, the, fintech um you know uh, revolution that's that we're in the in the middle of right now that you know has its, its swings 
wildly back and forth from hype cycles to to uh, to crypto winters. You know, all of these things were just ideas that we felt were leaving leading to a more techno utopia than anything else. And I think that that permeated a lot of the discussions and a lot of the thinking in the 90s. Yeah, it did. And there's, there's also that kind of duality in a lot of Hollywood movies, because on the one hand, you have got that sense of optimism, that idea of creating online worlds, you know, which I think anyone who's an artist or a storyteller, or anyone who loves movies and the arts, that idea of creating a virtual environment uh, where you have, you know, a full canvas that anyone can walk into, that's yes. just very appealing to anyone who is kind of, you know, has their brain attuned to culture and arts and that kind of thing. And then on the other hand, those same people seem to be aware in their back of their mind of the threats, you know, the whole Skynet yes. thing, you know, that whole yes. motif within Hollywood movies. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. I mean, that's the theme in your work too, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, but there, but what I also showed a very positive use because we were, you know, in, in Lawman, we were showing the use of virtual behavioral therapy, having a positive effect on the brain. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in the concert with nootropic drugs, that's, these are both very new concepts at that point, we slammed together in the story of Lawman. And, and that actually, in many ways, has been the thing that has lived on, about that project uh, in people's minds more than the cautionary elements. Uh, as an example, one of the people I'm working with now, Dr. Skip Rizzo, uh, is one of the you know number one VR clinicians uh, in the in the world. He's helping cure PTSD and anxiety and many things for 25 years uh, using using virtual reality therapy. Well, one of the things that inspired him uh, was him seeing the, my film in '92. Uh, and uh, as he was doing his uh, his work as a as a psychologist, and so he brought virtual reality into his work as a psychologist, and it's become one of the more uh, positive ways of uh, doing, you know, dealing with things like PTSD and anxiety. Uh, and he's been, you know, literally curing people uh, with virtual reality therapy for, for over 25 years. And one of the places that started was me telling a story about it that showed this sort of positive element. Now, uh, I'm actually involved in a company with him called Virtual Psychedelics Incorporated, VPI, which is about creating virtual therapy, uh, immersive media therapy, what I call MIM, medicinal immersive media. And those ideas really started in the Lawmerman back in 92. It started out of those conversations we had in the 90s, seeing the potential utopian uses of uh, something like virtual reality. Yeah, and one of the things I think we've discovered in this podcast series based on that anecdote you've just given us is how many times that you know, storytellers and writers, you mentioned Snow Crash in 92, yes. actually influenced the trajectory of massively lucrative um, and kind of societally impactful technologies. It's a strange, almost kind of mystical connection, you know, between- Well, it, it, it really goes back in human history. I mean, human history, there's always been the dreamers and the storytellers and the artists who basically form these like these concepts and thoughts and and talk about them in the context of story in the context of human narrative how they will affect culture and there's always usually a cautionary element but there's also a kind of looking forward uh, if you look at the you know the the work of Jules Verne and H.G. Wells and you know the, the interesting thing about that though is that technology moved at a much slower pace so they 
you know, the things that they were talking about didn't happen till, you know, 100 or more years later after their death. And I've been seeing the actual reality of the films I made becoming true in my lifetime. And that's a that's a you know that's part of the acceleration that we're in. We're in the we're in the technological quickening of uh, of human history right now. And that's that's a very unique element that hasn't been part of human history before. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I remember being a kid in the '90s and being just instinctively fascinated by VR. And as again, as you mentioned earlier, instead we got smartphones, which are okay. But yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I would have rather had VR, uh, you know. I know, I and, know. Um, and then, you know, fast forwarding, I ended up um, randomly, I had a startup at the time and, um, I, you know, we, we won kind of a gig to go out to Silicon Valley and this was around 2015. And as I was out there, um, a, a kid called Palmer Lucky was giving a, a presentation yes. in Palo Alto on um, something called the Oculus Rift and, and VR. I was in, I was creating yes. IP at the time, I was creating fiction IP for, for a publishing startup um, that I'd founded mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm also a big believer in, in storytelling and using new technology to tell new kinds of stories. But, you know, I had that kind of memory from the nineties of all these movies and being interested in VR. And I went to this expo yeah. and used the Oculus Rift. And what was so surprising to me is that, you know, I read these journalists who were like, oh, it's clunky. You know, it's going to give you dizziness. You know, it's not ready yet. I was blown away by it. I couldn't yes. sit down. I ordered the dev kit too, um, you know, and, and started playing around with that. And I, I bought it, to, uh, you know, bought it out to the Middle East where a lot of friends played around with it. We didn't really know what to do with it. A couple of years later, I'm playing Elder Scrolls, you know, on the, on the PS4 and I'm mm -hmm. looking behind me and I'm looking around me as the rain falls and, you know, a dragon, you know, flies into this kind of VR world. And for someone that's grown up with gaming from, you know, the early nineties, it's just amazing, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, Palmer, you know, was, was a young guy and he, he had actually seen the film that when it first came out, but one of the things that set me off, I started doing keynotes speaking all over the world because Palmer came out when he got the 2 billion from Mark Zuckerberg, he said that the Warman was one of his inspirations. And so that set me off on a whole new VR phase of my, my own life. So Palmer is very connected to that. Yeah, he's, he's a really interesting guy, really in, interesting yeah. case study. I'd, I'd love to get him on the podcast one day just because it's so interesting. But I guess where all of this takes us to, you know, um, beginning with this this story in the 90s and this convergence between kind of, you know, the, the Imagineers and the technologists is 2022 where, you know, mm. this phrase, the metaverse, which began i think you as you were saying the same year year lomo a man came up came out That's sick. exactly you know, this discussion on the metaverse i and i just wanted to ask you to what extent is the discussion we're having today very similar to the ideas you were sharing in, in the early 90s and how is it also different so it is extremely similar in that the core human questions around what a virtual world, which is really what the metaverse represents, the term the metaverse is. I actually have a podcast called What the F is the Metaverse that I do with my son, Shannon Leonard, <laughs> that's talking about what the, what, is, what the hell is this thing? Because people get very confused by the terms and, and really it is about the emergence of the digital twin of, of the 
uh, in this new virtual world that is in, in concert with and in sync with the real world. And so all the human questions about how does that affect human intimacy? What is the nature of human interaction? How does it not change the nature of governmental structures, the way that social media, which in, in many ways social media is fragmentary training wheels of the metaverse. And look, if we look at what's happened there, we can see that there are big issues that come about that we don't have any you know, inkling of until they happen. Uh, the horizon factor is very, uh, very intense on this kind of technology and how it affects human behavior. And so I think all those same mythological questions, the mythopoetic nature of how human interaction, human experience are changed by virtual experience in the metaverse, those are the same. The thing that's different is that we are accelerating so quickly into the use of and combination of the other technologies that are coming to become part of the metaverse, like AI, which I think of as augmented intelligence as opposed to artificial. I don't think there's anything artificial about it. It's coming from us, and we're part of the natural world. So AI is part of the natural world. Uh, and I think that we need to tell greater and more positive stories around things like AI. Uh, and so this is one of the things that I think is even more pertinent and different about our time. We need to really see that we are shaping the nature of human reality and what it will be for many, many generations right now during this period that we're in. And it's uh, it feels like uh, like in the 90s, we felt, boy, there's these things coming together and it's really going to affect the nature of human reality. Now we're seeing a whole new era of that happening and it's actually taking off. It's being driven by the fintech uh, components of this, the, the, the new ways of uh, value being created, obviously blockchain and all of its uh, different expressions and the, the convergence of those things with the nature of virtual experience itself is something that's a unique and new amalgam that brings those questions to the fore and also gives us a greater responsibility than ever right now those of us that are involved in this in terms of how it will be shaped for coming generations yeah it's fascinating i do sometimes think it's almost a kind of some of these technologies are so powerful that there's almost a mythic element to them you know the, yes the, the potential power of uh, you know an advanced ai uh, as some serious people have pointed out is really significant and, and is, is having a kind of civilizational debate around. Um, I agree. Have, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, we have talked about AI in the metaverse. We've had some people talking about, you know, regulation at scale uh, because we interview some policymakers sometimes. Um, we talked mm -hmm. a little bit about, you know, how your avatar might work when you're asleep. Just out of interest, it's, it's a little bit technical, but what do you think the role of AI in, in these systems might be going forwards? And how would you talk about it in a way that isn't just kind of fear-driven? Um, what, what do you think are the positive aspects of AI in some of these so, worlds going forward? Yeah, no, what, I, what I'm very focused on and very um, enthused about is the creative empowerment that AI affords to the human. Um, we can actually have a collaboration, a human-machine collaboration with AI that, again, we're collaborating with another aspect of ourselves because AI is coming from us. Uh, it's not something separate being you know, dropped from outer space. It's, it is literally something coming from us. And so we are collaborating with a further, more advanced version of ourselves in some ways 
And that can help empower people to create this whole idea of the creator economy, of being, of having creation become uh, a much more fluid and dynamic thing within the context of the metaverse, the context of the digital twin of the planet. And I believe AI can empower that in great, you know, to a great degree. Now, obviously, uh, you're probably aware of Dolly too, and Midjourney and uh, Stability AI. These, uh, these, you know, auto, these. Uh, procedurally generated uh, art platforms that allow you to procedurally generate art from natural language processing, working with AI. I'm playing with that every day. And it's incredibly powerful. And it's also even addictive uh, because it creates this feeling of, of instantaneous creation. And one thing humans uh, you know, have in common is we all love to create something. And the easier it is to create, the more likely it is we'll create it. So the idea that AI comes together with this aspect of, human, of the human psyche that's about creation I think is a very positive potential uh, place that uh, that the use of AI with a true humanist perspective can come to the fore. Yeah, I think some of those new tools are really interesting. I think there's not as much awareness of them in the Middle East, but it's definitely starting to percolate into the creative community. Um, you know, Photoshop and some of those packages, increasingly Unity, are incredibly mm. popular, but yeah, some of these kind of AI driven, you know, mashups, where, as you said, you can put language in and it can come up with a design, just, yes. just such a new space and the potential. And, and, and that's, that's what yeah. the, the projects I'm working on right now are all involved with that uh, in combining things like the Unreal 5 platform with AI procedural generation. Um, and matter of fact, that's one of the things I'm playing with in the context of the project Lawnmower Man Reborn, which is to create a kind of metaverse expression of the Lawnmower Man IP and actually have it be connected to human machine collaboration and interface. And so there's a way of the, the, the AI tracking kind of the group mind creation in this metaverse of Lawmer Man Reborn that can then eventually lead to a feature film that's created by, uh, by the group mind, by the group mind working with AI. And I think that there's tremendous potential for shifting the nature of things like cinema and the, and, and the, the nature of storytelling into what, you know, again, I'm calling story worlding. This idea of creating worlds that are auto-generated from our experiences with AI, from AI tracking and analyzing the nature of group participation, and then curating that even further into more traditional media forms like uh, like film and television. So it's the the confluence of these things right now is happening in this moment. It and and the AI is not something of the future. It's literally tools being used in this moment right now. That's a fascinating concept. Um, I think William Gibson, just before, a couple of years before Snow Crash actually, described cyberspace in, in Necromancer as a consensual hallucination. This yes, idea exactly. of you know, creating worlds in real time um, through yes. the kind of hive mind. Um, yes. So there's not, you know, it's, it's, it, the world is expanding based on the population within it. That's an incredibly new idea. I've never heard that before, but it's fascinating. Well, AI is actually making that happen, and all the projects I'm doing are about that. 
that's really where my focus is because I want to see how the nature of storytelling or again of story worlding is being shifted and 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 evolved through the use of these tools because we've always as humans tools and humankind have always collaborated together to create a new firm for version of reality if you look at just transportation of architecture of all the things those are all technological tools being used with the imagination of humankind that is where these things are focused right now that that confluence of humankind's psyche and imagination with the enabling aspect of the tools what does that mean to story what does that mean to human action interaction can we grab and 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 evolve the the nature of the genius of the group mind to solve some of the intractable problems that we we are, are facing as a civilization i believe the answer is yes and i think these tools and the metaverse and ai and all these aspects can be seen as a positive version of how that can happen not necessarily just the negative cautionary notes yeah it's such a fascinating almost you know, historical space to be in. I wanted to right ask, now it is, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask about because right now a lot of metaverse worlds that people are using, are, you know, these are probably early stage worlds, but decentralized sandbox Roblox kind of have 3D avatars running around, you know, a third person environment. But if if we're talking about simulated realities, you know, VR based simulated immersive realities with, you know, helpfully touch and, and audio and, and, you know, immersive sound. Do you think this will be the future of, of the metaverse, this kind of a simulated engine that we walk inside? Or do you think at least for the next decade or couple of decades, it's kind of the 3D web, it's a 3D gaming environment? How do you think this is going to play out? Because at the moment, there's a split in the metaverse community between, you know, um, not VR based people who think yes. it's not, and those who think, you know, um, no long-term VR is the solution. Look, it, it's, uh, this is the same debate that's gone. I've seen five phases of the VR debate around this over the years, over the 30 years I've been part of it. And I think that it's all about how, what the technology enables. And, you know, when VR has the friction points that it does, and, and it still does, uh, but at the same time, it's being adopted more and more. So I think both evolutions are happening simultaneously it really is on a continuum it's going to go to an immersive world the reason is we live in a three-dimensional reality in our own lives every day so the idea that you know something that as powerful as the metaverse is going to stay in a kind of two-dimensional uh reality uh, metaphor is i think short-sighted I, I i believe that certain technologies will come along and the people that are native to this experience of three-dimensional virtual experience, generations will come that only expect that. Uh, you know, we're already starting to see that in uh, in the generations that are that are coming about right now. So, I don't I, I don't think that the evolution will stop. I believe it will evolve into a full virtual world. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a generational aspect there. Yes. Um, so, Brett, thank you so much for your time today. Before we oh. go. Um, you know, this is the UAE Tech Podcast. So yes. Dubai is a very futuristic city, great landscapes, yes. amazing cityscapes. I've, I've sent images and video to friends and, and they've kind of said, is that real? It looks, it looks unbelievable. 
any any ideas to get out there at some point to yep. uh, to write a couple stories based out there? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I I, I actually have an, an aspect of Lawman Reborn that takes place uh, in the UAE because I believe the UAE is converging this idea of virtual experience and physical architectural experience more than almost anywhere else on the planet. Um, it's because of the nature that the scale of, of what is being created there. And I've had many conversations with people in the UAE that are very advanced in this area of thinking, more so than uh, in some Western cultures. Uh, and so I, I believe that places like the UAE are going to be bastions of our center points of this kind of convergence of the virtual world and the and the uh, the physical world. And I think it's already happening in your cityscapes. It's already happening in the way that architecture is being so uh, expansively uh, brought into the human experience there. And so it's 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 not a very far leap to have you know the UAE become where the most powerful virtual experiences may be accessed because there's going to be a need for technology outside of the home uh, in architectural spaces to access truly potent and uh, powerful virtual experiences like you know, at the level of the holodeck. So for me, the UAE really represents kind of a, a, a future-driven society that uh, is putting the resource behind actually creating that future. And so uh, obviously the metaverse and the virtual experience is part of that future. And I think it's very, very, very likely will be embraced there and executed at a scale there uh, beyond most other places. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you've noticed that. Um, yeah, it's really astute. I think there's a quiet revolution taking place Yes. In Dubai in particular, I think it's getting to the point where obviously, you know, there's lots of contextual differences, but it does feel in some ways like the 90s yes. in Dubai right now. There's yeah. a whole new generation of people in crypto, in blockchain, in Web3, and now more and more, it's, it's just starting, but in gaming. And they're all meeting up, you know, and they all want yes. to do things and it feels a little bit ironically a little bit more free and there is yeah. that sense of optimism i um, i agree and that, my yeah. in my conversations with people from here that's very much been the tenor of the energy so it's exciting yeah it definitely is um so brett i hope we can meet uh, in person at some point in the yes future. absolutely thank, in, so irl is always good <laughs> in, irl is still always good yeah for now exactly <laughs> uh, brett leonard thanks so much for joining the uae tech podcast thank you john Sponsor information. The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Albuaba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Albuaba Business, syndication distribution on Albuaba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Albuaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.